Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, James. How are you doing? Uh, not doing too bad. Uh, just, uh, you know, living the dream, if you will. Um, <laughs> very excited to have today uh, for our 25th episode uh, of the Padres uh, EVT podcast. Uh, we have national MLB columnist, uh, columnist for Bleacher Report, uh, as well as uh, Fox Sports uh, San Diego contributor uh, Scott Miller is with us today. How are you doing today, Scott? Hey, real good, guys. James, Patrick, nice to be with East Village Times. How are you? We are doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, the Padres are, are kind of playing a little bit sporadically, if you will. It's it's a uh, it's a little confusing for the fan base. I don't know, think they know whether they're coming or going at this point. Um, Scott, go ahead and, and uh, give us a little bit of uh, background on yourself. Uh, tell us about your 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 uh, link to San Diego, uh, specifically the Padres, and um, your your link to San Diego. If you will. Sure. Um, well, I'm I'm a Michigan native. I, I I'm from Michigan originally, and um, I actually moved out to San Diego after I graduated from college, a small school back in Michigan. Um, a journalism job came up out here. I was looking to break into the business, and I, it was funny. I, my first job ever was with a paper that published twice a week back before newspapers really started to have trouble. And it was the Encinitas Coast Dispatch of all places. And um, so anyway, that was about 1985. And so I, I moved from Michigan back to to San Diego area in, in, in 85. And uh, just real brief, I worked a couple small papers uh, in San Diego, ended up at the Los Angeles Times when they had a San Diego edition. Um, I ended up there. Okay. And I was there maybe, I want to say, 87 to uh, we closed at the end of the 1992 calendar year. So during that time, uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today, Bill Plaschke of the L.A. Times, those two guys were the Padre beat writers. And I was a young kid back in the late 80s, and I, I, was, I became the Padre backup writer to, um, to uh, first Bill Plaschke and then Bob Nightingale. And did a lot of Padres, uh, you know, back when, especially 89 was so fun. Uh, at the end of the year, I wrote a lot about when Tony Gwynn was trying to hold off Will Clark for one of his batting titles. And um, so anyway, did a, t- a ton of baseball. That's where I always wanted to be was baseball. Did a ton of baseball back in those days. And then in 92, like I said, at the end of the year, the L.A. Times closed its San Diego edition. So uh, I got transferred to the Orange County edition was there for one year, did some a lot of angel stuff and some other things. And um, anyway, at the end of toward the end of 93, early 94, a baseball beat job came open in St. Paul, Minnesota, the St. Paul Pioneer Press covering the Minnesota Twins. So I was newly married then. And my wife's from Southern California and uh, I, she knew what I <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she knew the Dude, career path I was on. And, boy, we were living in San Clemente. We were walking distance to the beach, and I'm with a Southern California girl, and here comes a call from St. Paul, Minnesota. So I, I moved there in time to cover the Twins beginning in the 94 season. Uh, as my wife said at the time, she's very well-traveled, and she shook her head. She said, I've been to the Mideast before, but I've never been to the Midwest. <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, uh, the trooper she is, she moved with me, and we were in, we spent six years in Minnesota. And they were very good years. I covered the Twins the '94 through the end of the '99 season. 
Um, the Twins were horrible. They, they they started out my first year covering them. They weren't too good. They were a little bit under 500. But 94, they were only three years after the 1991 World Series championship team, and they still had some of those players that, that helped them win that World Series, uh, you know, specifically Kirby Puckett. And then they just got worse and worse. And so I was there from 94 through 99. Uh, my wife uh, and I came to enjoy it. We liked it a lot. Good city, good culture. Um, our daughter was born there. And then uh, end of the 99 season, toward the end, uh, I was approached by CBSSports.com. They were, the Internet was just taking off. And, you know, they, wanted to, they liked my work and wanted to know if I'd become their national baseball writer. So I took that job in October of '99 when the when the postseason started. Covered the New York Mets and Atlanta Braves series and um, uh, became the national writer for CBS Sports uh, website in October of '99, and spent the next 14 years doing that. And um, within a month or two of that job, though, by the way, guys. Uh, my wife and I put our house in Minnesota up for sale, and we moved back to San Diego. I, went, I, I knew, you know, being a national writer, Minnesota was pretty remote. You know, there just weren't that wasn't that much around. So, moving back to Southern yeah. Cal, you know, I could drive to Petco Park, I could drive to Anaheim Stadium, I could drive to Dodger Stadium, and 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 write, you know, do the national columnist thing, and you know, still get on a plane and go places, but with three parks around here. You know, I didn't have to get on a plane quite as much. So 14 years, uh, CBSSports.com, that's how I came back to San Diego. And then after that, moved over to Bleacher Report to nice. become their major league columnist. And uh, within all that, in the last three or four years, uh, uh, started, uh, you know, contributing to Fox Sports San Diego and also uh, on Sirius XM Radio, uh, MLB Network Radio as well. Wow, excellent. Yeah. It's uh, it's obvious that you have a lot of knowledge when it comes to sport, and you know it's great to see. Um, it's great to see that you came back to San Diego. I, I know it's a it's a place that that a lot of people live in, and, and once they're here, they they really enjoy it. And uh, I'm sure that Minnesota must have been a huge culture shock for you and your and your wife and family. <laughs> it was, um, but I'll tell you what, um, we cheated because we both had relatives in San Diego. Uh, family in San Diego. So what happened was the first few years before our daughter was, well, even after our daughter was born, but she she wasn't born till uh, May of 97. So every one of those years I worked covering the twins, um, We, my wife and I would come out to San Diego to visit family by Thanksgiving, and we would stay until the end of January. So <laughs> we would not go back wow. to Minnesota in the wintertime until early February, and then, um, you know, about a week or two, you know, we'd get things organized. A week or two later, I'd go down to Fort Myers, Florida to spend the next six weeks down to spring training. Mm, wow, that's uh, – you, you've definitely uh, done – gone full circle as far as, uh, as far as you know, representing the MLB and, and writing about it. It's it's, it's pretty uh, exciting to, to get an opportunity to, to chew your ear off a little bit. So let's start getting into some little bit of Padre information now. I know a lot of our, our listeners are, are Padre fans. And, yep. uh, you know, there's a lot of – within the past uh, 15, 18 months, there's, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of movement when it comes to the Padres. Uh, give me your thoughts on the A.J. Prowler regime right now. Um, 
I myself am, am positive. I, I see the the method to his madness. I, I see what he's trying to accomplish. Um, give us a little insight on, on AJ Proler and what you think uh, the Padres' direction is right now. Well, I think um, I, I think when 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 AJ uh, first was hired, and then obviously we went through the his first year. He was the rock star GM, and then. And then, uh, you know, I, I downgraded him. Toward the end of last year, I downgraded him to elevator music GM. And um, I told him that, too, by the way. I kidded him. I saw him at Petco Park later last summer. And uh, after they had fired Bud Black and after the team was out of it, and I, I, I kidded him, I said, AJ, you know what? I don't know if you saw so the last couple things I've written, but you're downgraded. You're, no, you're not rock star GM. You're elevator music GM. He laughed. Um, I think... You know, I come at last year, AJ's first year, from a couple of different angles. The first one is the obvious. It didn't work. They swung for the fences, uh, bringing in James Shields, Derek Norris, all the proven veterans, Matt Kemp. And, you know, everybody obviously was so excited going into last year, and it just didn't work. Um, I said at the time, I thought there were two things cooking when they were making all the moves. One was they were trying to win, and it was nice to see the Padres organization, for the first time for me in several years, actually trying to win. And by that I say organization. I mean, obviously the players on the field and Bud Black who's managing, they're all trying to win. But you know what I mean. I, I mean up high, an organization that's actually committed to putting a good product on the field. And I hadn't seen it. Obviously, the end of the John Moore's era, he cut payroll, broke some promises. Jeff Morad was here as a kind of a temp for a year or two, and, and that turned out to be a disaster. I, I do think in some ways the Padres are still digging out from under that, uh, the mistakes yes, that, yes. You know, and, and lies that Jeff Morad told. So last year I thought it was hugely important that they actually were trying to win. I thought that was a great sign. Secondly, I thought, you know, there's no guarantee they're going to win, but I thought they had to make those moves. Even if they didn't win, I thought they had to make those moves last year to get the fan base reinvested. Because again, going back to what I just said, the Moore's era, the Morad era, you know, we went through a stage where half the town couldn't even get the team on TV, and then Moore's and Morad turned yeah. the fan base off so bad that they went into irrelevance. I mean, they broke faith and trust with the fan base. And I thought last year part of what they had to do with all that big splash, yeah, they were trying to win, good, to, good for them. Secondly, they had to do something, I thought, to basically send a message to people in town, hey, we still exist. There is such a thing still as the San Diego Padres. Start paying attention to us. Yeah. So I exactly. Was- yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, yeah. no, I couldn't have said it better myself. It, 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 and I, I think that's exactly what it was. I mean, Patrick and myself are, are an example of it. We both uh, rediscovered our love for writing about the team and our love for the team just based upon the moves that they made. It was like, wow, you're actually trying to win now. It's it's, it's unusual for us, and it, it motivated us. Um, Isn't it? You know, yeah, it, yeah no, it, it truly is. And I, I know a lot of fans are upset thinking, you know, that, that they should have won it last year and this and that. But, you know, it's not an exact science. It's it's not exactly easy to build a successful major league baseball team. It's It, it takes 
spot. And to show that commitment to winning and to try to win is something that is unusual for the fan base. And and, and like you beautifully put it, 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 it rejuvenated it. Yeah, I wouldn't be right here where I am right now if if not for all these crazy moves that AJ Preller and company made. So I guess I guess it worked in terms of getting fans interested again. I know plenty of fans on Twitter and online are just way more interested than I saw even two, three years ago. So it was definitely a success in that regard, even though the product may not be the winner that we want just yet. But, I mean, so far, so good. So um, kind of going off of that, what are your thoughts on Andy Green in his first year as the Padres manager? You know, I, I think um, I think he's got a great future. I mean, I, obviously, it, it, when a manager is concerned, I mean, you could be Andy Green in your first 80 games as a big league manager, or you could be Bruce Bochy with three World Series rings on your finger, or you could be Tony La Russa. Whoever you are, first off, I think we have to understand you're gonna your players are gonna make or break you. You know, you 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 can't you can be a genius as a manager, but if you got a bunch of donkeys on the field, you, you're not gonna look like a genius. So, <laughs> I think Andy Green, yeah, true, um, when he was hired last year during that travel day of the during the World Series, it was on the off day before I think Game Six back in New York, I believe. I I, I know I was traveling. Kansas City to New York, Padres hire Andy Green, you know, that day. Um, it was either later, I think it was later that day, might have been the next morning in New York, I saw Tony La Russa, um, who's obviously the president of baseball operations for the um, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, where Andy coached third base last year. So I saw La Russa in New York right as they were hiring Andy Green, and I asked him, I said, you know, geez, what do you think of that? And LaRusa just staunchly said, this guy is going to be a star. Um, he's young, but he's a winner. He knows his game, the game as well as anybody. He's a people person. He's going to work well with players. Tony went on and on and on about him. Um, this year, I think, you know, Andy's showing some promise. Again, I go back to the players and 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 maybe not having all the right parts. I I, I bet oh, Chip Hale as well. By the way, Arizona's manager, same thing. He went on and on. And I, I've known Chip going back to what I just said about covering the Twins a little while ago. The first season I covered the Twins, nineteen ninety four. Chip Hale was a utility infielder on that team, and I and 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 I've known Chip pretty well since then. And I asked Chip last year, too, or over the winter, same thing, about Andy Green. And he was right there with La Russa. This guy's going to be a star. I think clearly the jury's still out, and it's going to be out for a little while. I mean, it's you can't judge a new manager on half a season. You need some time. Baseball's a game that's, you know, where, where you, you judge over time. You don't make snap decisions over one game or ten games. Um, I think... Andy probably, and I'm not saying Mark McGuire is a bad choice as bench coach. Um, I think Mark McGuire is a really good baseball mind. Um, but I think together they're learning, they're cutting their teeth in their jobs, and that's awfully tough to ask a person to do at the major league level. You know, Oftentimes when you have a rookie manager, uh, you've got a bench coach with him that used to manage in the major leagues. You know, that Oftentimes you see that. The fact that McGuire's learning his job as a bench coach and has never managed in the majors before, and Andy's learning his job, I think that makes it a tough combination. So I think this is a learning year for both of them. 
Um, I haven't seen any d- disastrous things that make you think, oh, geez, they're in over their head. I, I think they're learning. I mean, there have been times when, you know, maybe maybe somebody wasn't warming up in the bullpen in time or you, you wonder, well, why make this pitching move or that move or, or you know, like anything, you're going to question some things at times. But I think overall, too soon to judge, but some very smart baseball people I know, Antonio LaRusso and Chip Hale, are bullish on Andy Green. From what I've seen, I think he's he does have a personality that can go you know well with players and that is going to bring out a lot of good in players. He just needs to get some players, <laughs> or they need to get him some players. Yeah, for yeah. me, it's like I can't really judge him as a manager until he has a winning team, and if he can't succeed with a winning team, then obviously there's an issue. But with the team that's currently fielded, it's not really fair to evaluate him too hard I'd say I mean I think so far so good and considering Bud Black got what a 10-year leash I I don't think that they should be firing Andy Green anytime soon unless he's just making terrible decisions which I haven't seen any terrible terrible decisions I mean there's things here and there but but like you said it's still learning experience this is his first year as a big league manager and he doesn't have as he doesn't have that same help as maybe other guys had with with bench coaches as you said so I think one thing one thing if I could add uh, both Patrick and James yeah go for it Um, Again, based on what I, I, I talked a little bit about Minnesota, one thing I think the Padres have had a big-time issue with in the last decade has been turnover. You know, three different owners in the last five or six years, whatever it's been. I mean, you know, they when they blew out Kevin Towers, they, they hired uh, uh, Jed Hoyer and then went to Josh Burns, and now we're at A.J. Preller. The turnstiles in some important jobs have just – continued to spin and that's tough as well i go back to you know the twins have won some and they've lost some but you know what they're very well respected within the game and and you look at the it's it's amazing the minnesota twins since 1986 have only had three managers tom kelly ron gardenhire and now paul molitor since 1986 also I think, what is it, two or three, three general managers. Andy McPhail took over from, from uh, in like 86. Terry Ryan succeeded him. Bill Smith. And then when Bill didn't work out, Terry Ryan went back to GM. And I think that gets underrated in today's game. I, I think there are a lot of good baseball people out there, but if you only stick with them for two years or so and then blow them out and bring somebody else in, now everything changes, the program changes, I think one thing, I would hope Andy Green works out here, and and I would hope A.J. Preller works out here. I would hope they've got the right people in place because if you stay with people who are good people and you have gotten some continuity, you're going to have an advantage over other teams that continue to fire people and hire people because that's just a recipe for disaster, I think. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you that that, uh, they haven't let uh, any type of – general manager fully develop his plan and fully lay out his plan and you know they've, yep. they've drafted in certain aspects and then they've gone change direction and the, then they've drafted in different aspects and it's kind of resulted in a, in a in a just a mess in the farm system and in the and in the front office for that matter and it's nice to see some stability with this team and, and you're definitely correct and stability wins you know they they need to know that they're on the same page the the players need to know that 
ownership is, is prepared to go the extra mile and, and do what's necessary to win. And it, it's it's refreshing to see this regime. And I, I don't anticipate Preller or Green going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I think that the ownership brought in young personnel like themselves to kind of grow with the team, if you will. I mean, the Padres are, are infants, if you will, in, as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. And, and there's been a lack of philosophy for this team since you know since it was since it was established in 1969. It's just something that needs to be done, and I, I'm willing to be patient. I think the majority of the fan base is willing to be patient as as long as it's done the right way. And it appears that they're starting to slowly move in the right direction with the international draft and with this last draft. You can see the the plan taking place. You can see the waves of talent that should eventually hit the major league uh, market. And it's, it's, it's exciting. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, trades and stuff, um, I'd love to hear your opinion on uh, the Derek North situation. You know, Austin Hedges is just tearing it up right now in, in yeah. El Paso. Um, to me, it, it seems pretty obvious that they're going to have to deal Norris. I think the writing's pretty much on the wall with, with the emergence of Christian Bencourt as well. Uh, you know, talk to me. What do you what What are your feelings on Norris, and and if the Padres will indeed have to move him eventually? Well, I, I'd slow down though on Betancourt. Now, do, are, do you have him penciled in as a catcher full time, or are you going to shift him over to pitcher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I've heard rumors about third base as well, which, which <laughs> makes a little bit of sense. It does. Um, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Derek Norris is going to be traded uh, at some point because, yeah. You know, either either Austin Hedges is in your plans or he's not. I thought last year mm-hmm. he 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 probably was mishandled by being kept in the major leagues and not getting that much playing time. And I know the reason yes. they did it, especially early last year, they thought they could win. They 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 thought Hedges could maybe learn at the big league level and be an apprentice, so to speak, to Derek Norris. Um, but when last year went south, um, you know, I don't think last year it, 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 it put it this way. It was probably a lost year in Austin Hedges development. And then when he when he broke his hammock bone this year, it was like, oh, geez, don't you know, worst case scenario is he going to have a couple lost years. And then you worry about are you going to lose him completely as a prospect? You know, would it will he go from prospect to suspect and out of the game, you know? Um, but yeah, you're right. He's showing so much promise down there right now, and 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 you know he, he's hitting, um, which is the one thing that there's been questions: is he going to be able to hit? Now, the Pacific Coast League is probably the most difficult league in America in which to judge hitters because yeah. all, so many of those ballparks are you know they're in the desert, they're at altitude, um, they're, they're a bunch of bandboxes. That said, you know, fine. Is your is a player? You got to play wherever wherever the schedule tells you to play. That's what Hedges is doing, and he's he's just scorching the ball. So yeah, I, I think um, I think Derek Norris. There'll, there'll be a need for him at some point. I, I think you know, even in the back to the American League where he can can DH as well as catch. Um, you know, I don't hear a ton of rumors as we speak, but of course. The trade market's just kind of setting up right now. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing is teams that are in the market for catchers, um, the first stop is going to be Milwaukee, where Jonathan Lucroy is. And, and yeah, part of the Padres, what they're going to do with Norris is going to depend on Lucroy. And also, it's 
you know, it's sometimes difficult to trade a catcher during the season because, you know, unlike other positions, the catcher, when he goes to a new team, you know, he, it, it's, it can be more disruptive to that team that's acquiring him because they've got to, he's got to learn the whole new pitching staff. The pitchers all have to get comfortable with him. And without do, having spring training to get a head start on that, you know, a catcher all of a sudden plops in a new spot in the middle of the year. It can be trying, but uh, there still are going to be needs out there. Um, I, I think, like I say, you know, it'd be interesting to see where Norris goes, but I, I agree. I think probably the way this year is going, you're going to have to figure out a way to get Hedges and Hunter Renfro up in San Diego for a good chunk of the second half so you can begin evaluating them and let them get their feet wet as you begin to point toward 2017. So, so yeah. go, going off of that, do you think, uh, I guess, what do you, what chances do you see it of Matt Kemp or Melvin Upton being traded then to make a spot for Renfro full-time? Yeah, uh, good, good question. I mean, obviously the money situation with both of those guys. You know, Melvin Upton has been had such an interesting year because after two or three lousy years, two lousy years, um, in which he's become a forgotten man. I mean, we're talking comeback player of the year type of candidate in the National mm-hmm. League. Now, his reputation yeah. has been so tarnished that I know, even given how well he's been playing, teams are skeptical. And what I hear talking with 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 my sources around baseball is teams are skeptical and they're not exactly like the Padres are getting their door beaten down by teams looking at Upton. Kemp, um, I think a lot of people view as way past his prime and you know he's still owed about $70, $75 million. Um, I think they're both going to be tough to move. I, I think the Padres, you know, A.J. Preller, you know, as creative as he's been in trade so far, this might be his greatest challenge to be so creative that he can trade one of those two guys uh, so that as you said, Hunter Renfro can get some time up here. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he'll definitely earn that rock star GM moniker if he's able to, to deal Kemp and, uh, and up to yeah, that's right. Without, yeah. Um, okay, Scott, I, I know that you have fire commitments and, you know, we, we want to let you get going to, 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 you know, to do what you got to do and, and, and to provide that excellent coverage that we, that we all, uh, that we all look forward to. Um, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Um, you know, if you have any, uh, Anything else that you'd like to add, uh, rumor-wise, uh, probably-wise, we, we'd appreciate it if the last uh, last seconds here. Um, I don't know if you have anything uh, off the top of your head that uh, that uh, we haven't discussed. No, I think uh, you know it'll be interesting trade-wise too. What what happens with Andrew Kashner? Um, you know, I know there'll, there'll probably be some interest in him. It's it's funny all these years later. Um, I think clubs are still uncertain. I think there's still some clubs out there that think you know he'd be a great closer. Um, because as a starter, he's had some flashes, yeah. you guys know, but he just hasn't Yeah, he hasn't stayed consistent. And the thing that bothers me with him is so oftentimes the Padres will score, and he, then he doesn't have a shutdown inning. That next inning or two, he'll give up a run or two instead. Yeah. You know, that's yes. a big thing with yes. him. So he remains maddling, maddeningly inconsistent for me. Um, I I'm not sure how long you stick with him before you say, well, maybe this is just who he is rather than he's going to develop into that ace, you know, people hoped he would. So I I think he's another guy to keep an eye on at the trade deadline. Definitely. Um, You know, quick question for you. You know, Ian Kennedy earned the qualifying offer pick. Do you think that uh, Cash is is a candidate for that uh, if the Padres uh, elect to keep him and uh, give him the qualifying offer? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. He may take it. Um, you know, whatever it's going to be this year, if it's going to be roughly in that fifteen point eight million dollar range. Um, I mean, I guess there are worse things you, you could do because you know the David Price type elite pitchers now are twenty five or thirty million dollars a year. So if you get Cashner fifteen million a year, if, if you offer him the one year, um, you know it's not a big commitment. It's just the one year. But then again, I mean, it looks like they're going into rebuild mode big time. And if if they are, you you might want to not spend the fifteen on him and just uh, you know get get maybe another veteran retread that can help uh help the younger pitchers develop. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think definitely. I, go ahead, James. <laughs> no, I was going to say yeah, definitely. It, it's Catcher is pretty much supposed to board for the chart uh, the Padres right now as far as inconsistency and and just being up in the air. I mean, he, we really don't know whether he's going to be dealt or whether they're going to try to keep him or you know or you know, even mentioned that he could be turned into a closer, a bullpen um, pitcher, which is interesting, and, and you know, it could happen. It's just it's it's a confusing time for Padre fans, if you will. Yeah, a lot more questions than answers right now. All right, Scott. Yeah, uh, definitely. Thank, thanks so much for coming on uh, today. It really means a lot that you took some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me on, and uh, all the best. And if you're at Petco Park, make sure to say hi. <laughs> all right, everyone, say hi to Scott. This we we will, for sure, <laughs> Scott. Care. All right, take care. Uh, well, folks, there you go. We have uh, we had Scott Miller with us for episode 25 of the EBT podcast. Uh, I apologize for my audio issues. I'm having a little bit of issues with my microphone. Um, Patrick, go ahead and, and take us out so they don't have to listen to my uh, garbled voice anymore. <laughs> All right. So uh, as always, we are on uh, Podbean. That is where we're hosted. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. You can download, listen to us there. Um, give us a like and review on iTunes. Um, James is on uh, Twitter at EVT underscore news. He's tweeting all day long. He's a maniac. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter at Patrick Brewer 93. Uh, give us both a follow and... Stay tuned for uh, more more Padre news at eastvillagetimes.com. East Village Times Podcast, signing out.